0: Hey, welcome everybody to EC30. The conversations continue. A group of local believers in the past 14 weeks has been talking about racism in light of the gospel. And the next part of our series has been inviting local pastors' leadership to speak to these issues. Today, we have the privilege of having dr thomas beavers from new rising star church in the east lake community with us pastor beavers welcome
1: thank you so much i'm glad to be here
0: it's a quick intro for dr beavers upon his graduating kentucky state and Beeson, he succeeded his grandfather who served in new rising stars third pastor for 35 years and as the servant leader of new rising star church which is also called the star hashtag team star dr beavers leads several efforts that impact the community, which include, but are not limited to the following, education, financial literacy, workforce development, housing, recreation, and the church. The goal is twofold, to preach the gospel for the purpose of enlarging heaven and to develop people in the community that they may have access to a better quality of life on earth. Again, we are excited to have you, and I'm just going to pray real quick and turn it over to you what we've done is we've sent uh, Pastor Beavers our top 15 questions that we had talked about over the course of 14 weeks, but we've also asked him, what questions have we not thought of? And just get his biblical perspective offering us both challenging as well as hope in Jesus Christ. So let's pray together. God, thank you for this day. Thank you for Pastor Beavers. We call upon your grace and your wisdom in this time. At times we feel just so overwhelmed and burdened for what's happening in our world. And we need your truth of your word. Thank you for your word. Thank you for Pastor Beavers. We ask you bless our time together for the sake of your beautiful name and for your glory. Amen. Pastor Beavers, I'm going to turn it over to you.
1: Thank you so much for this opportunity. I'm so, so honored not only to be doing this, but I am really, really encouraged. Uh, that you are doing this and that you are leading this effort. Uh, we need so many more people doing just what you're doing. So I'm going to say thank you from mm-hmm. the bottom of my heart. So you sent me a list of questions and it's several questions, there is no way that I'd be able to cover all of them in the time of life. However, I picked about two or three of those questions and I want to try to cover them the best way that I know how. So this is what we'll be discussing amongst other things as the Spirit leads. Do you feel the white evangelical church has had... An unholy silence and not spoken up enough as they did in the 1960s, are they committing the same sin over again? That's question number one. Question number two, I'm gonna discuss, in addition to praying, how can we tangibly advocate or intercede for people of color in our sphere of influence? That's question number two. Uh, Question number three that I wanna try to give regrets to is does the church have more of a responsibility to address racism than other communities do, what steps should the church take to address racism? So uh, with that in mind, uh, that's kind of a clear format of where we're gonna be going today. So I wanna start with question number one. Has it been an unholy silence from the white evangelical church as it was in the 1960s? Uh, David, to be honest, uh, at first glance, I thought that it was. However, uh, you give me so much hope Mm-hmm. Uh, because you go to a white evangelical church, Birmingham, Alabama, Brook Hills. Shout out to Pastor mm-hmm. Mason and the entire congregation of Brook Hills. And I, I know that you and your church have been strategically working through this issue on racism. So I do know that on one hand, there has been an unholy silence from the evangelical pulpit. However, I recognize that not all white evangelicals are silent, some are actually doing the work uh, to make things better and doing the work to be able to change the mindset uh, to be able to bring about the type of country that all of us want and to make our country live up to our highest ideals. High hmm. And so uh, Dr. Matt Mason sent me a text or he sent me an email of uh, some statements that Brook Hills and their elders were kind of going through. And I, I believe on last Sunday, he preached about these statements and I was very, very encouraged uh, just to know that somebody was actually doing the work who didn't have my skin color. Somebody was doing the work who did not look like me. And what I've determined is that if you want to get it, you can get it. And if you don't want to get it, you'll find a reason and an excuse not to get it. You can find reasons and excuses to argue for what it is that you want but the question has to be raised, do we want what we want or do? We want what God wants. So, yes, in the past, there has been an unholy silence and even in the present. It is an unholy silence, but that silence is not coming from all white evangelicals. So I want to begin by addressing that and saying that. Uh, perhaps you've seen this March, uh, May the 31st, which was Pentecost Sunday in 2020. I had the opportunity to speak at a rally at Kelly Ingram Park, uh, just over the back of the killing of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Aubrey, and so on and so forth. And the list goes on and on and on. And the message that God gave me, he actually gave me that message maybe about two or three years ago, and I just had the chance to deliver it to the city of Birmingham, Alabama. That message was called Lift Every Voice. And um, Lift Every Voice is actually a song. Uh, Most people of color call it the Black Negro national anthem we understand that there are not two different national anthems so I understand that even that phrase can be divisive but if you can understand for the sake of thought of the idea of what I'm saying most people of color recognize that song lift every voice as the black Negro national anthem and I have always contended that the pledge of allegiance will never become a reality without the black Negro national anthem lift every voice. Uh, Matter of fact, in the 2021 NFL season, they have now said that they're going to play lift every voice and they're going to play the American national anthem back and back together. And I know that that's caused some kind of controversy. But when you look at the lyrics of both, both of them really need to be married together because you cannot have one without the other. So when you think of the Pledge of Allegiance, uh, it says, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States states of America, and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, invisible with liberty and justice for all. We quote it, but although we've quoted, um, it is undeniably true that we've yet to live up to these highest ideals of our country, one nation under God, liberty and justice for all people and not just some people. And I contend that the Pledge of Allegiance can never become reality without The Black Negro National Anthem, Lift Every Voice. So that song simply says, lift every voice and sing till earth and heaven ring. Ring with a harmony of liberty. Let our rejoicing rise high as the listening skies. Let it resound loud as the roaring sea. And the key to the song is lift every voice. So oftentimes when we see injustice and oftentimes when we see uh, unarmed Black men and Black women being killed at the hands of white police officers, it is always the voice of the minority that is lifted, the voice of the marginalized that is lifted, the voice of the oppressed that is lifted. And nothing changes and nothing takes place. I contend until every voice is lifted, not just the black voice, but also the white Uh, not just the oppressed, but those who are unaffected by the injustice, until we all decide to lift our voices together, those who are affected directly and those who are unaffected, uh, until we all decide to lift our voice together, change is not going to take place. Until we all decide to lift our voice together we'll never be one nation under God. Mm. Until we all have to lift our voice together, uh, there will never be liberty and justice for all people. The justice system should be a system of no race, no face. You do the crime, you do the time, regardless of your race, regardless of your face, regardless of your ethnic background, economical background, your race, your gender, your creed, or even your color. However, we have seen a trend in the United States of America that if you are a certain color or come from a certain place or you have a certain amount of money inside of your pocket and you commit a crime, that you don't have the same time if you get time at all. As somebody else who's a different color, and somebody else who does not have as much money as somebody else, they commit a crime. And guess what the judge throws... The book at them. And so I really believe that every voice needs to be lifted. Um, Dr. Martin Luther King spoke out against white silence. And not only did he speak out against white silence, he spoke out against the silence of good people. Because guess what? It's not just a silence from the white evangelicals, but you have some black people who are well to do, who have moved to the suburbs, and who are quote unquote doing well in life and have some of the accoutrements of success that this world has to offer and even black people who are comfortable silent because they are unaffected and they are not lifting their voice and so we need everybody to lift their voice to get rid of this silence. I think one of the biggest barriers of silence I want you to think about this today's heroes were yesterday's criminals I want you to think about that statement Hmm. Today's heroes were yesterday's criminals. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. is a hero today. He was a criminal in the 1960s. That's the reason they put him in jail. If you understand what I'm saying? Yes, he died <laughs> a shot. But today we celebrate him as a hero, but he was considered to be a troublemaker when he was actually alive. And so, so many people don't want to lift our voices because we don't want to be considered to be a troublemaker. Mm. We want to be celebrated. We want to be heroes. We want the world to like us. And a lot of times we choose popularity over being effective. And I, I believe that we have to make up a of our minds that regardless of what people think, regardless of what people want, we have to begin to examine what does God want. And am I more concerned about pleasing God than I am with pleasing people. Um, One of the scriptures I can give you on this is Daniel chapter number three. Uh, There were three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Bendigo. Uh, And the Bible declares in Daniel chapter number three, Nebuchadnezzar in the land of Babylon built an image of gold, 90 feet tall and told everybody at the sound of the music, bow down to the image. Well, guess what? They stood against culture when everybody else bowed to the culture. Mm. And because When everybody else bowed, he got them thrown into the fiery furnace. And so I've been praying for people to have the faith to stand when everybody else bows. I've also been praying for people to have the faith not to apologize for standing on truth. So when you think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, okay, they didn't bow. So they were brought before Nebuchadnezzar and his officials. And they were given a second chance. In other words, he says, if you don't bow, I'm going to put you in the fiery furnace, but I'm going to give you a second chance. This is your chance to bow. And when they had a second chance to bow, guess what? They still didn't bow. Mm. And so a lot of times we take a stand, but because of the cancel culture that we live in. In the United States of America, that because you say you stand here, uh, they say that because you stand here, you hate everybody else who is not like you. But in actuality, I'm standing here, and me standing where I stand does not mean that I hate anybody. It just means that I believe what I believe, and my belief is based upon biblical values and a biblical worldview. And oftentimes, when we stand and we run into the punishment and we run into the persecution, Uh, that's when we retract our stance and that's when we retract our statement. But my prayer has been simple. My prayer has been, Lord, give us the faith to stand against culture when everybody else bows, and give us the faith not to apologize for standing on truth. And so, I know that's a long way around the bush. Amen. um, But, uh... You know, I really believe that in the past and even in the present, there has been a silence and that silence has not just been among white evangelicals, it's even been among black people who are well-to-do and if anything is going to change, every voice has to be lifted. Um, The second question, in addition to praying, how can we tangibly advocate or intercede for people of color in our sphere of influence? So, my first message was lift every voice but when you lift your voice, you have to know what to say. So how can we tangibly advocate? When I say lift our voices, not only am I talking about speaking up, I'm talking about speaking out. Those are two different things. Mm. Speaking up vertical, that's when we talk to God in prayer. So a lot of times we pray about it and we feel like we get passed because I recognize that this is an issue and I told God about it. I don't need to do anything else. But after you speak up to God vertically in prayer, we need people who do not have the color of our skin to actually speak out to where other people in the world can hear you and cry out against the injustices of society number one when you see something that's wrong people say okay I want to speak out I don't know what to say you do know the difference between right and wrong
0: Mm. good
1: so I mean it's as simple as saying hey that's wrong that's it it's as simple as saying hey that's wrong also I'm going to say this this is controversial, but I'm going to explain Not only can we not be afraid to say that's wrong, we cannot be afraid to say Black Lives Matter. Amen. And here's the reason I made that statement. That statement has been controversial amongst the Christian community because of the organization Black Lives Matter. Um, the organization a lot of times I run into Christians and they say okay you a Christian right I say yes I'm a Christian and they'll say well hey I'm a Christian as well Uh, and they say well if you're a Christian how in the world can you say Black Lives Matter Uh, all men were created equal and then they go to the website of the organization Black Lives Matter and they put statements from their website that are unbiblical statements right in front of your face and say this is why I don't say Black Lives Matter. Well, most black Christians, okay, who believe in the same God and the same Jesus, still use the phrase, Black Lives Matter. And when black Christians use that phrase, we're referring to the statement not necessarily the organization. When you think about the organization, we agree with the part of the organization that fights for the justice of black lives. Uh, we do not agree with the part of the organization uh, that is trying to devalue the family unit, okay? Because that part is not a biblical worldview. Uh, but at the same time, if you're part of a party, you have some, some things in that party you agree with and some things in that party that you don't agree with. Yeah. So if I tell you, if you're part of this party, and that means that you're not a Christian because of these things in that party that are unbiblical, uh, and then you turn around and tell me, well, you, you you say Black Lives Matter. So that means you're not a Christian because this part of that organization is unbiblical. It does not mean that I'm not a Christian, uh, but it does mean that this is the issue at hand right now. And when I say Black Lives Matter, I'm talking about the statement, not necessarily the organization. Here's the reason. Here's the reason, David, why most black Christians will say Black Lives Matter and we will not say all lives matter because black people still believe that America has a problem with the word all, Mm -hmm. okay? So when you think about it, when you think about the um, Constitution, the Constitution states that all men are created equal, but the word all in the Constitution did not include black people which is the reason that, that we were made three-fifths human being.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, when you think about the Pledge of Allegiance, it says liberty and justice for all. But too many times we see people getting killed and justice is not certain for all people. Mm-hmm. If you understand? Yes, and so when the Pledge of Allegiance was written, the word all did not include black people. So black people would say black lives matter because we still feel like America has a problem with the word all. Mm. You understand what I'm saying? So all men are created equal. Of course, we know that God loves every human being and we start with the intrinsic value of every human being and all human beings, but at the same time, because of the issue at hand, we're saying black lives matter. Um, I guess another way I can put it, if there's an animal that is in danger, okay, and that animal is an endangered species, you don't say all animals matter. Mm single out that one animal that is in danger and you label them an endangered species and you do everything to ensure their protection and their survival. But when a black person is in danger, if you understand what I'm saying, America keeps reverting and referring to all lives matter. If this was the Jewish Holocaust, the hashtag would not be black lives matter. It would be Jewish lives matter. Mm -hmm. But because the black lives are the lives Danger, that's what hashtag is Black Lives Matter so we got to be out um, beyond praying um, I also do think that there are policies that need to be changed you know I run into a lot of my white Christian brothers and sisters um, who are Republican and nothing wrong with being a Republican nothing wrong with being a Democrat we just need to put our Christian values over whatever party we choose mm. I'm not Republican I'm not Democrat uh, I guess I'm just a mutt, I, I, I'm, I'm a Christian, that's, that's that's what I am. And so uh, both parties have non-biblical values and both parties have some some biblical values. Uh, but a lot of my Christian buddies who are white and who are Republican, they'll say, well, you know, I'm voting the Republican way. And the reason I'm voting the Republican way uh, is simply because of the issue of abortion and um, they say, I believe in this, you know, I believe that babies should not be aborted and I'm pro-life. Uh, but in actuality, um, I realize you're anti-abortion, but being anti-abortion does not make you pro-life. OK, right. God, abortion. All right. But God is also pro-life and pro-life is from the womb, conception in the womb, all the way to the tomb. Mm so- we're really pro-life, we're concerned about all of life, not just the sanctity of life from the conception and the womb, but all the way to the tomb. And so we kind of have this mindset, um, you know, I vote this way because of this, or I vote this way because of that. When in actuality, I think we really need to examine that. And if the only thing that we did on the issues that mattered to us was pray about it, I would accept the answer. Okay, well, injustice is a problem, we just don't pray about it. But that's not the only thing that my white Christian brothers and sisters do. Not only do you pray about the issue of abortion, you litigate on the issue of abortion. You change policies on the issue of abortion. You shut down clinics on the issue of abortion. So you don't just pray about that issue. And so what we're asking as people of color, the same way that that issue is passionate to you, and you don't just pray about that issue, but you change policies, you litigate, you shut down clinics. We're saying be passionate about this issue of justice. Don't just pray about this issue of justice, litigate on this issue of justice, change policies on this issue of justice, shut down, uh, shut down whatever you got to shut down on this issue of justice so that we can have liberty and justice for all. I do believe that there needs to be police reform in America. I, as well as a gentleman by the name of Dr. Matthew Johnson, pastor here in the city of Birmingham, Alabama, and some other pastors have been talking together, and uh, we've come up with five things specifically that we believe needs to take place uh, in litigation on the issue of police reform. Uh, Number one, we believe that anything that comes against the intrinsic value of every human being. Should be our point of attack, and we believe that there are five things that come against the intrinsic value of every human being when it comes to uh, police brutality, to police perform uh, reform in the United States of America. So, uh, we believe that uh, you should get rid of qualified immunity right now. If a police shoots anybody, the law is automatically on our side, on their side. With everybody else, yeah. I, I mean, it's just different it almost, whatever the original intent was of that law is not being used for the original intent. So qualified immunity just kind of gives you the excuse to shoot somebody and get away with it just because you got a badge and not necessarily be held accountable for it. Okay, so qualified immunity is one issue. Get rid of the no, not warrant That uh, devalues the intrinsic value of every human. You go Kentucky. We believe that it needs to be done all over. Uh, We believe that every uh, law officer should have mandatory, implicit, and explicit bias training. Because we all bring implicit and explicit biases to the table. Mm. So when I'm policing in a community that I am not from, because I'm not from there, I don't understand the community or the culture. Because I don't understand the community or the culture, I overreact and I'm over aggressive. Okay, Uh, we also believe that there needs to be a police citizens review board. We would prefer that that review board is elected by popular vote. Other cities have police citizens review boards that are appointed, um, but we want it to be done by popular vote. And then last but not least, the fifth one is not the defunding of the police, not that, okay? Uh, We need our police. But the demilitarization of the police. So, what is the demilitarization of the police? Think about the military and military weapons. Military weapons are made for foreign nations whenever we go to war. We use them on foreign nations. But because we begin to sell military weapons to our police forces in masses and in droves, they take in foreign weapons that were meant for foreigners uh, who would invade and intrude on the freedoms of our nation and they turn them against the American people. Um, and so those are the five things that we believe need to take place in order for there to be true police reform in the United States of America. And here's the last question, and i shut up talking. Uh, does the church have more of a responsibility to address racism than other communities do? What steps should the church take to address racism? So, yes, we have more of a responsibility, and here's why. The church sanctioned it and the church started it in the United States of America. Mm. So say that Say that again. Tell them again. Yeah, the church sanctioned racism. They sanctioned slavery and they started it in the United States of America. So since the church is the one who sanctioned it and the church is the one who started it, people think that slave masters didn't go to church. They went to church. Mm. Their churches sanctioned it. Their churches started it. Their church has said it's okay. And since the church sanctioned it and started it, we believe that the church even more so, even more so, should have a role in stopping it and addressing it. And uh what can we do to address it? Things like what Brook Hills is doing right now. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. So every time we preach the word, we plant a seed. But racism has been an issue that so many pulpits have been afraid to touch. Our people can never be delivered from the ills of racism if they don't hear what the Bible says about it. So we got to rest it in the pulpit. That's my time. Pastor Beavers, uh,
0: first of all, I'm privileged because I get to hear it first, right? Uh, (laughs) and, and, And my spirit is blessed by this. Would you just close us in prayer um, and then we'll thank you. So would you just pray for us?
1: Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for this time, God. I thank you right now for Mr. David Graves. God, I thank you for his heart, for your gospel, his heart, for your word. I thank you, God, for his heart and even just confronting and taking on this issue, God. God is near and dear to his heart um, and is near and dear to my heart. And though some people may look at him strange and some people may look at him funny, God, I pray that you would give him the courage to stand against people who vilify him for doing what he's doing. God, I pray this right now in the name of Jesus and all those alike him, as well as Pastor Matt Mason. Um, as well as the church at Brook Hills and the direction that they're moving. God, I even pray for the elders right now in the name of Jesus. God, I pray that you would give them courage to stand against culture when everybody else is bowing. And I pray that you would give them courage not to apologize for standing on your truth even when the culture tries to cancel them out. And um, not by might, not by power, but only by your spirit. Have your way, Holy Spirit. In the mighty and matchless name of your darling son, Jesus the Christ who's able to do absolutely anything but fail. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.
0: Amen. Pastor Beavers, thanks for joining us.
1: Man, thank you so much. God bless you.